0: listening to bring me the axe i'm brian white on half of this morbid equation and i'm joined by my co-host and actual brother dave white hey dave how you doing
1: Uh, well i appreciate you asking um you know i'm gonna tell you what i'm okay i have been trying to get into this goddamn christmas spirit it is now the what is the 10th of december yep i decorated this apartment i uh go for a walk to look at other people's decorations i'm still not feeling it yep uh, I mean, have I you? Know well, do. let me
0: ask you this: Have you indulged in the Hallmark Channel?
1: Well, I think it's a given. I do that at least three or four nights a week. <laughs> I mean, I just finished watching A Tale of Two Christmases. I think was what it was called. Yeah. So it's a, a nuanced tale of a young woman who uh, has a dream about an alternate life that she could be living. And you know, believe it or not, in both of them, she has a handsome gentleman to go home to. It's a you know. It's a real roller coaster of emotions, but not even that is doing it. And, <laughs> and I don't know what it's going to take, but um, I'm going to keep at it. You know what? I'm going, to feel, I'm going to feel the fucking Christmas spirit if it kills me,
0: <laughs> and it yeah. might. You know, you know what's going to do it? Silent night, deadly night. Well, it's going to do something. <laughs> hey, so uh, you know what? We got a little somebody over here on the side. We do. We got a guest tonight. Yep. So uh, our guest is an author. He's the he's the author of "It Came from the Closet." And I want to welcome Joe Valise to the show. Joe, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Oh God, thanks for having me. Good. I was just saying I feel so flattered to be here for such an auspicious film. It's a true honor. Oh
0: God. This you know <laughs> what, this series has really helped me appreciate this movie. For some reason, like I, I will I whenever I think of it, it's like, all right, it's you know, it's getting to the season, like I could watch you know, seasonal slasher movies and I watch seasonal horror movies, or I could watch, you know, Friday, the 13th part two for like the 50th time. And I always fall back on Friday, the 13th for some reason. But like <laughs> this, this time around, like watching this, I, I am really, I'm really feeling it in a way that I haven't before. And it's probably just because I really spent the time just examining it. Uh, so we practically grew up in neighborhood video stores and the steady diet of utter garbage that those shops provided us with continues unabated to this day. There's no one else. I enjoy chopping it up with more about trashy movies than Dave. Just before we get into it, here's a little housekeeping. If you want to keep up with us between episodes, you can also find us on Instagram at Bring Me the Axe Pod. Dave's over there at That Queer Wolf. Uh, Mm -hmm. We also started up a Facebook page, so help me God. I know. Yeah, I did it. Just, you know, let's cover all them bases.
1: You're like, there's people out there over
0: the age of 65 who might be interested in this. (laughs) Yeah, they're sharing pictures (laughs) of their grandkids and they're listening to podcasts about terrible movies. Because I'll tell you what, our
1: parents are over 65, and they said to me the other day,
0: uh, you guys swear a lot. <laughs> and I said, um, well, yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, have you not heard us
1: speak? <laughs> I'm a very colorful person, uh, goddammit. Uh,
0: yeah, I know. You'd think they would, they, they would know us by now. But uh, yeah, I mean, who raised you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, not yeah. to push blame, but come on. I know. No, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, we've also got a <laughs> sweet website now at com. You can listen to all our past shows there and read the transcripts. You can also contact us directly at bringmethexpod at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or suggestions. Do let us know if there's a movie that you love and would like to hear us. Give it the business. Lastly, if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be doing us a favor by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So get with it. Mm -hmm. I I will say, I keep seeing that number go up, and it pleases me Um, greatly. So to all of you people out there who are taking the time, Thank you. From the bottom of my heart. It's uh, And also it's, tell your friends. Tell Don't your be friends. stingy. For the for the love of God, just mm-hmm. what's like what's holding you back? Anyway, I just want That's to get nice. that all out of the way right at the top of the show. So tonight, as I said, it's Silent Night, Deadly Night, just as the podcast mm-hmm. is labeled. So uh let's let's give you a little uh, give you a little taste of what we're talking about. Christmas. Silent night. Deadly
1: night.
0: Now, now, this is an audio medium,
1: and you probably couldn't tell. That was the sound
0: of people being killed. That trailer shows you basically, uh, with, yeah. with a couple of exceptions, every murder in the movie. I
1: I have to ask, Joe, you were given a list of movies and you specifically chose this movie. Why?
2: <laughs> I mean, I really wanted to do a seasonal film um, and I hadn't seen this in so long. And I have really, this is really interesting because I don't think I'd watched it for 30 years, literally 30 years. I have I had very specific memories in my mind of what creeped me out about this film. And I realized as I was watching it, I was like, oh man what i'm really remembering is really just the beginning with yeah. you know we'll we'll get to it but um that sort of opening sequence that is what was sort of cemented in my brain and the rest of the movie i was like wow i forgot all of this um and so that says a lot i think uh but i yeah
0: that's a that's that's a solid point cuz i i think when i think of this movie i also think of that like the beginning when like his parents get killed like for some reason yeah. that scene just sticks out so yeah Holy
1: pretty shit. upsetting yeah <laughs> it's, like super sleazy and awful yeah probably uh, yeah.
0: yeah yeah so as usual warning before we get rolling we're going to talk about this movie from beginning to end spoilers to follow you've had since 1984 to see this one so yeah. uh, also <laughs> summary santa claus kills people <laughs> yes. yep yep so here let's let's do the facts Uh, The year was 1984, Mm. so some other movies released that year. It's a banner year for uh, pop pop culture in the United States. Yep. Uh, So we also got A Nightmare on Elm Street came Mm -hmm. out that year. uh, Came out that week. The same day. The same. Oh, wow. The same exact day. Yep. Uh, Also in 1984, Chud. (laughs) Yikes. Yep. Razorback, Mm. which uh, y'all seen Razorback? I have 90 minutes I of 90 minutes of a movie. You can smell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It is uh, it's, it's, Let me it's... jot that down. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, a, that's um. it's Australian. So it's Russell Mulcahy. And he's a couple of years later, he does Highlander and he really nails it down. But like, he's a guy who made a, he before, before he made Razorback, he made basically every music video from the 1980s that everybody remembers. And so Razorback. Uh, that's a lot of music videos. And he did all of them except for Thriller, uh, but yeah, right. yep. So uh, also that year, Children of the Corn, Outlander, yep. Yep. and rounding it out, The Dungeon Master.
1: Oh, I like yep. that movie. Yep, wow. yep. movie. Also, that, Night of the Comet came out that year too.
0: Yep, 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 yep. So the Dungeon Master teaches you that all the solution to all of your problems is lasers.
1: <laughs> yeah it, it, that movie is remarkable for a lot of reasons. <laughs> it is directed by 900 people yeah
0: yeah they're all basically all of charles band's friends yep so, so uh and stars bull from night court <laughs> yeah yeah and i just it
2: wasn't friday the thir- sorry
0: no i was just gonna say no, yeah. i i just watched uh night train to terror the other night and he is in that as well and he plays he got around. He's also in house. Yeah. Yeah. He plays two characters in two separate segments, just two separate entire entire characters. <laughs> and in one of them, they must have shot it with like like a, a some, some distance between the scenes because he goes from one hairstyle to an entirely different one within the span of like a single edit. It's crazy. That whole movie is fucking nuts. I, I thought for a moment, like, man, we should really do Night Train of Terror on this one. But I think that one might be a little too crazy even for us. And we just did fucking elves. So, mm, yeah. Too crazy for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's and if you haven't heard
1: our elves episode, it's basically just us laughing hysterically <laughs> for an hour <laughs> and 20 minutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. At one point, we com- we completely break down for about two minutes. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. So, cast and crew. This was directed by a man named Charles Sellier. And when the producers first started brainstorming potential directors, they thought of names like Sam Raimi and Purple Rain's Albert Bagnoli. But the studio butted in and said, you know who'd make a hell of a slasher movie? Charles Sellier, producer of the TV hit and creator of Grizzly Adams. And Greatest
1: Heroes of the Bible.
0: <laughs> yeah, which makes this the second episode in a month to mention Grizzly Adams. Mm. Uh, he also directed Annihilators, which is an absolutely dog shit vigilante movie.
1: He's also a man who hates horror movies and didn't want to direct any gore.
0: Right, right. Which brings me to our second director. Yeah, our second director is a guy named Michael Spence. He, I believe he's credited as second unit, but yeah, um, Cellier didn't want to do any of the violent scenes. And so Spence, who's actually the movie's editor, was like, yeah, sure. I'll shoot that stuff.
1: Also, what do you mean? Don't want to do the violence? Grow up!
0: You're a director, for God's sake. I do know. your fucking job. I know. Because everybody else. It's
1: also, the
2: bulk of the movie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. Like, like th- this movie doesn't even run ninety minutes. Even in its uncut form. Yeah, I just said Santa Claus kills people. That is the premise
1: of this movie. Why would you be like, you know what? That's the movie for me. Count me in.
0: (laughs) Wait a minute, wait a minute. What's all this stuff in the script about Santa Claus killing people? I didn't didn't hear anything about an axe before we started this.
2: (laughs) He just wanted to direct Mother Superior. That's all he cared about. right? You can tell. (sighs) Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And she directs herself. Basically. (laughs) She's a professional. She's a pro. Yep. And so in yet another connection to elves... Uh, Spence was the uh, the editor on a movie called Zapped Again, which was written by oh, the writers wow. of Elves. <laughs>
1: Zapped
0: Again, wow! <laughs> yeah, all yeah. all roads wow, lead wow, back wow. to Elves.
1: The sequel to the Scott Bayo classics. Classic Zapped. <laughs> yeah, <the> classic
0: Zapped. <laughs> yep. Oh God. So cast, uh, we got Robert Brian Wilson as Billy, uh, and so he basically pulled down some bit parts, TV roles after this one, but then he bowed out of acting until just recently when he started turning up in low budget fare all directed by Dave Dakota <laughs> and all starring wow. Is it pornographic? It is not. It's like Hallmark channel stuff.
1: Because Dave Dakota has a very fascinating career in which he continues to make gay pornography while also making horror movies. Yes. He has never stopped making porn. Yeah, somebody And you know what? I
0: respect that, <laughs> that he is a busy man. In this economy, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to stay busy, man. You gotta, Everybody's you got a second job these days. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah, somebody once described the uh, the sort of soft core, like, werewolf stuff that he does uh, mm-hmm. as boxer briefs horror. And I think that is just a perfect description the for what ever. he does. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, uh, oh, yeah, and all that stuff. It also stars Jack A. Harry. Fucking right. I am into this. Yeah. Uh, the, the, is
1: great. gay werewolf porn starring Jack A.
0: Harry? No, 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 no. None of that stuff. She's actually, one of them is one where she, she solves, like, murders. Uh, but there's no gay werewolves. There's no gay werewolves. As far as uh, I can tell, there's no that, gay anything in it. it's oh, I'll just, pass then. Yeah. yeah, I'm not, <laughs> not I mean,
1: I like Jack A. Harry a lot, but. yeah.
0: Mm. Uh, also in the cast is Britt Leach, who is a. Who, prof- uh, who you all might remember the most from most recognizable face, yeah. He
1: yeah. is, he, but I recognize him most. So he was in Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker. The worst
0: name ever. Yep, our second episode all the way back there.
1: He, I remember him most from the episode of the Brady Bunch where Marsha tries to get Davy Jones to play at the dance, and Britt Leach is Davy Jones' manager. Oh, no shit. And it took me for fucking ever to remember why I recognized him so much.
0: Because this is, this is the reason that I recognize him. I think I say that in our Butcher Baker episode. But yeah, he's a professional hillbilly. Um, this is his second he, appearance. he's
2: really really great in an episode of tales from the crypt with leah thompson Mm -hmm. only sin deep he's the man who makes the mold of her face and basically uh you know uh curses her and steals her beauty oh shit that's what i recognize him from i was looking at his face i was like what do i know you i know he's because he has a really recognizable face really recognizable but that is when he's at his creepiest that that's um it's a great episode. It's a oh, great man.
0: Episode. I, I fucking love Tales from the Crypt, man. Yeah. Uh, so good. And uh, rounding it out is Lillian Chauvin as Mother Superior. Uh, <laughs> she's probably the movie's biggest get, which isn't really saying much. Um, she's a prolific character actor, usually playing very severe characters. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. Uh, she died in 2007, acted pretty much all the way up to her death. And this is the movie everybody knows her from, but she stayed pretty busy. And you've definitely seen her in other movies. Um uh, uh, Linear Quigley is also in this, but for about five, minutes. for about five minutes.
1: I mean, she's great for those five minutes.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty iconic death. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. She gets the death, I think. Right. Uh, yeah. That's definitely the one that everybody, Arguably, everybody knows yeah. that or it's either that or this, this, the guy on the sled that gets everybody. Oh, no, that's good. So yeah. uh, let's do some notes here. Um, original title was sleigh ride and the producers are very oh, always good. very often to, quick to point out that it's just one word I don't know why that's important but they point that out <laughs> in basically every piece of media like tangential media I've seen uh, some taglines for this film you heard it in the trailer you survived Halloween now try and survive Christmas mm. Mm. yeah uh, another one Santa's here that's my favorite <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then uh, he knows you've been he knows when you've been naughty. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch of the ones that I left off that IMDb lists is basically uh, stuff that appeared on like uh, Mondo posters and shit. But the last one is my favorite. Shocking. Disturbing. The movie they tried to ban.
1: And I feel like that is uh, a, a good third of this story is the they tried to ban part of the
0: story. Yeah, yeah, uh, they actually did ban it in Alberta, did, yeah. in Alberta, Canada, in 1987, three oh. years after it was released. Yeah, it's real it interesting. Man. Like,
1: yeah, we, we we didn't do it initially. It took us three years to realize just how tasteless this
0: thing is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's source of major controversy. Dave, you got notes on this? Because I, I sure do. Because I thought I have that a lot I, of notes. On I sort this. of figured that you you would have the the moral panic stuff covered.
1: I do. I'm a big fan of moral panics. Um, Who is not not in practice, historically speaking?
0: Um, let me get
2: my cocoa for this.
1: It's a it's a, a fascinating thing because it's uh, for context. What is happening at this time is the silent the idea of the silent majority is picking up steam, a lot of steam by 1984.
0: Right, yeah. This is really, like, 84 is really sort of the flashpoint for a lot of kind of cultural moral right. panics. And it's not just that. Like, we're starting to see the very earliest parts of, like, satanic panic. Uh, right. This has another... Which is another... I mean, a I mean, whole other thing. So it's
1: all, it's all coming out of the sort of liberation and civil rights movements yep. of the 60s and 70s. The 80s is kind of... This, this particular part of the 80s is a reaction to that. And so uh, a lot of it is uh, a lot of the sort of save the children bullshit is specifically a reaction to gay rights. Um, And, you know, the uh, Anita Bryant's uh, campaign, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, and that other fucking asshole who was also from Florida, whose name I can't remember. um, it's, It's sort of, this is built out of that. It's this idea that, the world is out to uh, destroy childhood or uh, the world is out to sort of taint children or to make them grow up too fast. We still see it today. It's just kind of slightly different package, but it's the same
0: idea. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, the, same, the, current, it's the same sort of seed that, that kind of s- bears terrible fruit.
1: Right. And not surprisingly, it actually has nothing to do with children. Um, it has a lot to do with whiteness. Uh, it has a lot to do with, with um, sort of heteronormativity.
0: Reactions et cetera, et cetera. to feminism, yeah, yeah,
1: and so, like this particular movie, it's not surprising that this was the reaction to it because parents were outraged; they lost their mind. Well, which uh, is crazy because
0: the one of the reason that these guys felt so safe doing this is because there's Black Christmas before this, which not which is not. I mean, it has nothing, nothing to do with nothing Christmas. in common it with this. Takes, it know, but also, then. there's an there was a, there's the short in Tales from the Crypt with the Killer Santa. There's Christmas Evil, which had been out by this point. Yeah, but Christmas Evil was a I mean, kind of a lower budget movie. This was a this had a big
1: campaign, and that was the biggest.
0: The, oh, the I suppose that's itself, true. This was Tristar's first big movie, right?
1: So this the movie itself was not so much the issue as it was the ad campaign for it,
0: because the ad campaign,
1: as you can imagine, uh, it it shows a guy dressed as Santa Claus killing people.
0: Because, oh, and they booked ad see, like, time, like, on Saturday afternoons. Shit, well, like, sort of. They sort <laughs> of
1: did that because the the actual – so, not surprisingly, again, the truth of this story and the kind of myth and fiction of it get blurred quite a lot. So, there was, like, an entire episode of Donahue devoted to this. Oh, yeah. Um, which I wanted to look up, but I didn't really have a lot of time, so I didn't. But uh, So, here's some of the things that people would say about there was an article, uh, I believe this is the guy from, this is the head of the uh, MPAA who says this. It says that, uh, so it's an invasion of children's dreams and fantasies. And it is a form <laughs> of child abuse. Oh, God. Uh, and then he goes on to say, Santa Claus was like motherhood and apple pie. And that I, and that I couldn't approve anything that made him look like a villain. And I'm going to keep going because these are some some choice cuts here. Uh, this is from the mayor of Norwalk, Connecticut. Uh, it says, I believe in free speech and free expression, but Christmas is sacred. To make one of these killer movies with Christmas and Santa Claus as the theme, that's going to fall. <laughs> is it, though? Well... So the the thing about all of this, this is the waspiest, most 80s bullshit I can imagine. Because this is, an, uh, this is sort of a, a, a conceptualization of American culture as... Uh, sort of universally Christian uh, and extremely white, because this is the this is uh, comes from the position that cannot imagine a world in which people do not celebrate Christmas and the the specifically Christian version of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because to call it sacred is ridiculous. It's not sacred. It's a very commercial holiday that was kind of the version we celebrate created by companies. Yeah. Um, and what's his face? Uh, the I think it's one of the producers. I can't. I have it in my notes. Let's see if I can find it um, the later on, you know, obviously they say, well, this is a reaction to this. Um, oh was Dennis Whitehead. So he was the producer of this. He suggested much later that Tristar pulled this film because Tristar was initially owned by Coca-Cola and who created Christmas as we know it, basically Coca-Cola or Santa Claus at least. And so there's this whole, uh, this argument around this is like you, this movie is destroying uh Christmas. It's destroying children's youth and blah, 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 same bullshit we hear all the time. It's drag Queens. It's gay teachers. It's all, it's the same stuff. Um, th- but the thing is, you know, they're arguing is that, well, you can't have this in advertisements. Well, the three major networks did not air advertisements for, as a practice did not air advertisements for R rated movies until after nine o'clock. Um, and so the then you're So the, the, The stories about like well this was on during a football game because those were local stations,
0: Uh, and local stations
1: were a little bit more flexible. Oh yeah, I remember. Wanted to they could
0: about a year so in eighty five when Return of the Living Dead came out, all of the local UHF stations ran ads for it constantly, and I that that was like one of those sort of like formative moments for me, as I was beyond fascinated by this movie, but also that imagery scared the fucking shit out of me.
1: I think I saw that movie on television in like 1988 at like two o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So this, this idea that they're, they're running these ads for children, basically like the, the way they talk about it is like, well, you're putting it on during, you know, Saturday morning cartoons. That's not true. It occasionally showed up, but most of the problem is it's like a lot of things. It's sort of like um, I don't know if you know anything about like the cruising protests or the protests of that movie uh, yeah. Windows. These are a lot of these were uh, gay specific gay community uh, protests. Hmm. Um, a lot of those people, because I I interviewed a bunch of people about cruising years and years ago, and I was like, so you went out, and, you know, you participated in these protests, and I was like, so what did you think of the movie? And they were like, oh, I didn't see it. And oh, I was like, you no. went out to protest something that you didn't even see. And they were like, well, no, I, I heard about it. And I was like, all right, well, what did you hear about it? And it turned out what they had heard about it was a, a big exaggeration. Now, you could make an argument that Cruising is a pretty homophobic movie. But yeah, of course. the point is they're, they're uh, objecting to something they have not actually seen or experienced. Yeah. So that is not that surprising because like all moral panics, the reaction to this is completely nonsensical. They're running ads at movies at night. Like uh, the whole point of an R-rated movie is that it's not for children. So they're not going to pitch a movie to children who aren't going to go see it. So it's sort of like it's a, a kind of a thing that gets, you know, ginned up when it didn't need to be. And I get the feeling that the filmmakers and the cast, they they seem pretty forgiving of that now because they're like, look, we get it. It was Santa Claus with a bloody axe. I understand. The one that they really couldn't forgive, though, is Siskel and Ebert. And I get that.
0: Yeah, I get that it too. It like
1: Gene Siskel like went out of his way to be an insufferable piece
0: of shit. Like he just could not stop. This, this was uh, uh, a. Uh, pardon the pun. It was gift wrapped for him, basically, because <laughs> this was like his crusade did not begin with this, but it, this is where it reached a real sort of critical frenzy. But uh, there's something
1: so unprofessional about that, though, like, like, dude, you were one of the most well-respected critics in the country, if not the most well-respected critic in the country. And so to get up on a fucking soapbox every time because you think something's offensive, like, fuck off. I don't care what you think, Jesus. But he goes out of his way, much like he did with Friday the 13th, to go on camera and like list off all of the names of the companies that own Tristar. All the people at those companies, it's like, wow, you were fucking doxing people for making Whoa. a goddamn movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow, yep, unbelievable. It's it's a fucking crazy story because what ends up happening is, I am sure that the the people who were marketing this at TriStar were like, oh man, there's no such thing as bad press. But then this happened, right. and they pulled it after two weeks, which is crazy because this movie outgrossed a Nightmare on Elm Street in oh. its in uh, in its first week uh and then i guess well, there was so that was the thing
1: is tristar pulls this movie after a couple of weeks saying it because of the poor box office but it's like it didn't do it made its money back within the first week so
0: yeah. whatever's after that yeah
1: it's all yours so it's like okay that's not really why you're doing this you're really doing this because you're caving into pressure from you know parents groups or whatever and you know like it always is these are just small segments of population. they're just very loud about it and they're protesting out front of a movie theater now, if it were me, I would happily wade through a sea of angry parents to see the killer Santa Claus movie. <laughs> I guess other people didn't feel that way.
0: Yeah, if you look it up, you can you can see photos of of the protests. And for a really long time, I lived under the impression that this movie that 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 part of the story was sort of exaggerated. Um, mm-hmm. and, but but it really this so this comes very late in 1984. But and, and you know, and slashers were. Really struggling at the time anyways, but this protest movement, this kind of moment in horror movies puts a chiller on horror until 1987, I think, when, you know, Mm -hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street 3 comes out and sort of reestablishes the genre as, as a money machine. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fucking crazy story. The, I think it caught them off guard too, because
1: this movie is so goofy. It is like, just the right. very idea of a killer Santa Claus is pretty fucking silly. It's and super so crazy. I'm sure when people were like, oh my God, you're ruining the hopes and dreams of children. They were like, Hey, hey calm down everybody. It's a joke.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, one of the things I read was that one of the one of the organizing bodies around this was a fucking a group called Citizens Against Movie Madness.
1: I I would join that today just <laughs> just for the T
0: shirt. Yeah, that's pretty great. Yep. So uh, there are four sequels to this movie.
1: Uh, And they get progressively worse each and every. Well, I would say to call the second one a sequel is pretty rough. It's basically just the first movie with like 20 more minutes and one of the most incredible movie moments ever.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Part two is infamous for Ricky's Garbage Day Murder Rampage. Still good. (laughs) Uh, The rest of it is basically a clip show compilation of scenes from this one. I read about this and whatever company picked up the sequel rights to it, they handed it over to the people who made that movie and said, and they just gave them Silent Night, Deadly Night Part One, and said, "Re-edit this, and we'll sell it as a new movie." Which is crazy to me, like how anybody could expect to make an entire movie out of the previous movie, and yet, and yet, yeah, they and they they fucking did it. But uh, well,
2: and that was the original um, plan for The Exorcist Part Two. They wanted just to like use footage that was left over and sort oh of assemble my God. it and do a little bit. So this must have been like a practice that they were trying to, you know, get off the ground to sort of make you know uh, cheap sequels, which I think I, you know I some would, movies did this. But. I
0: bet you anything that this is way more common than we think. It's just yeah. like I don't, I just don't think any of us have have encountered it. Well, it's but, not that
1: surprising though because this is that this is on that edge of when like the big corporations start to take over the studios. And so yeah. you've got people like this movie itself is, comes from two guys who were working at like William Morris agency.
0: Yeah, they were so yeah, it's like, yeah.
1: they're all working in the business kind of corporate section of it. this is like how Hollywood kind of killed itself in
0: right. the late
1: seventies and into the eighties. So it's not surprising that you'd have a bunch of fucking dudes, you know, who are accustomed to sort of be, you know, finance guys, looking at stuff being like, well, how, how can we bring more money out of this and really like you know, move it forward?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. And if they could think to do that with a property like The Exorcist, right? Like, it shows you how, despite the controversy and the box office, that cynicism that was, uh, that cynical lens through which they thought about the genre, right? Like, it doesn't matter what movie it was, they would still try to do those shortcuts and, you know, make money in the most cynical way possible. Yeah. Of course, we get, I got The Heretic instead, which is... a Know, a different story, but <laughs> maybe it would have been better off. Uh, mm. you
0: know, yeah, a- I yeah. I think I think I'll take the clip show over the heretic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. I've, I've never seen any of the others past part two, not terribly interested in them. Of the, of Silent Night, uh, of Deadly, Silent Night? Night Deadly Night. Yeah. Mickey Rooney
1: is in one of them.
0: Yeah. So he, so uh, the last two in the series are sequels in name only, and they likely right. had Silent Night, Deadly Night attached to the names long after the production had wrapped. Cause apparently, during the outrage over this one, he was one of the like he was one of the celebrity voices like speaking mm-hmm. out against it. So people were like, yeah. what the fuck, Mickey Rooney? <laughs>
1: not so high and mighty now, are you, Mickey Rooney, who used <laughs> to play a Chinese man in cinema.
0: Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And so uh there's also a very loose remake from twenty twelve called Silent Night. I've never seen it. No, I've not either no Uh, So Silent Night, Deadly Night was just one of many holiday slasher movies It made the obvious move to subvert a holiday known for peace on Earth. Good tidings and time spent with families. Follows Black is it though? (laughs)
1: This is my issue with this. Because what I think is really interesting is if you look at social media right now, everyone's in it because the bulk of my social media is horror. It's It's either like gay shit, dog videos, and horror movies. Like that's all it is. And so these this time of year it's just like oh what about this one and this one i'm like i've never heard of half of these movies turns out it's because most of them are very new because prior to krampus there really weren't a lot of there was like this and like a few others that nobody had ever heard of except for kind of diehard people yeah yeah so the idea that it's like well no there's tons of them now it's like well there are but they're all dog shit and this one's not good either they were
0: all made in the last (laughs) like 10 years like when i was looking up like i was like what other holiday like Holiday horror movies are there? And I looked it up and I was like, Oh, okay, well, there's enough to make like a top forty list. But then I looked at it, and it was like all there's of that,
1: that awesome like, one with Fiona Apple's dad in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, Christmas Evil. Yep. <laughs> Which uh but yeah, but all of them were made from like between like I think Krampus was the first one. And then yep. in the last like three years there's been like seven. So-
1: and they're all like real tongue in cheek, and I'm kinda like, All right, I get it. Killer Santa. Ha ha.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. But it's like uh, it's for me. It's
1: garbage day or nothing.
0: Uh, okay, yeah, it's garbage day or bust. Yeah, don't fuck around. Let's go back to the source. <laughs> but uh, yep. So film was submitted. Okay. So the film that was submitted to the MPAA for rating ran a lean eighty-five minutes, and it was rejected four times and cut so severely that the final theatrical cut ran a mere seventy-nine minutes, which barely qualifies as a feature film. I think you got to be seventy-five minutes and over. Uh, when it landed on VHS... For I think the f-
1: now it's 88 minutes.
0: It's got to be. Yeah. But when it landed on VHS for the first time, it was restored briefly to its uncut state before the theatrical cut was eventually released to video, uh, or re-released to video. And then the uncut version circulated in bootleg tapes until the movie was released to DVD uncut in the early 2000s.
1: And it's, a, it's rough, because like TriStar had lost all of the original film elements, so when Scream Factory went back to redo this, they basically had to take those VHS like of bootleg VHS shots and insert them and in. I don't know what it, I mean I, I had this in early 2000s I had the first version. I think they tried to do it then too. And I don't really remember what it looked like cuz it's been so long since I watched that, but watching it now in I think it's a 2K but watching it now, it's like you really you can it's, see it sticks out. It's like not just VHS; thought. it's like hard VHS. It's like, very noticeable. Tracking
0: noticeable. lines yeah. <laughs> super yeah. super grainy. The colors are all are all off and and, wicked and, and dark. For, yeah.
1: I, because of that, I wonder why, and I get why. I, I'm sure it's for the sake of completion that they probably want all these scenes. But so many of the like parts that they cut, you could have left that shit out. It's completely unnecessary.
0: There's some there is some stuff in there that that bears that grain. That's like just somebody reacting to something. It's like, yeah, like you don't need, and
1: I, it's gotta be just for the sake of completion,
0: but it's gotta be. Yeah.
1: You know, like, it looks real shitty. Like I, if, if it were me, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't think we should do this.
0: Yeah. I appreciate
2: the context because while I was watching my Amazon rental, I was like, why did it suddenly dip? Is there something wrong with yeah. my internet? Like why did like, it suddenly? And then it happens over and over. I'm like, okay, yeah. now I see. It. And it's see it's it. one of
1: the ones where they actually, there's a notice, like a note at the beginning of the movie. That's like, Hey everybody, sorry. It looks like shit. Every once in a while, here's why. Like, you yeah. know, when they put that up there, yeah. like, we really wanted you to see this, but also we know it looks bad.
0: Yep. I used yeah. to, I used to have a couple of fan edits of certain movies that kind of like take, um, bits and pieces from like various versions and kind of mix them up into a, sim- into a similar movie. And it really mm-hmm. reminded me of that. Like I used to have this bootleg of the, the warriors that took the original theatrical cut and it mixed in all of the stuff that they shot for the TV version uh, yeah. into a single one. And it does that like flashback back and forth between the, between like high quality DVD presentation. Cause that was all that was available at the time. Plus, stuff that was very clearly taken off of like a, a videotape that recorded it when it was on TV and, and it's such a jarring experience. But I do appreciate it because I do like to see like certain things that's like, oh shit, like, I wonder why they cut that out. Or, you know, you can see it, but you're still like, I'm a completist in certain instances. So it is nice to kind of, it is kind of nice to see that.
1: Yeah. You're the reason we have the shitty VHS version of Silent Night, Deadly Night, just every once in a while.
0: Yep. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <Thank> yeah. <you. laughs> So all of the music, including the carols, for some reason, are the work of composer Perry Botkin. Uh, there is not one familiar Christmas song. In not this the movie. carols. The carols are done
1: by Morgan Amos.
0: Oh, no shit. OK, because that part is Morgan Amis. Uh, yeah. So they, which is not true. There is actually one song, but it's sung by the cast. Um, the rest. I, time- the fucking the soundtrack to this. So the soundtrack and the score are awesome. They're great. I mean, they wrote yeah, a
1: whole album of legit Christmas songs that are bangers. Every one of them. <laughs> Christ- they get stuck in there and they're
0: not leaving for days. I I, I cannot get Christmas fever out of my head. Uh, it's it's very funny, but all of the lyrics have these like suit- suitably ominous undertones through them about like Santa's mm-hmm. Santa's watching and shit, and shit. Yeah, Santa's watching. Santa's creeping. <laughs> yep, I love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, well,
1: that's how you destroy the fantasies and dreams of children.
0: Yep. God bless them. So uh, let's get into it, shall we? Yes, eh, we must. All right. So we we open on a station wagon driving through the scenic mountain region of Utah, and in the car are Mom and Dad, names withheld since they'll both be dead in a few minutes. Yep, doesn't and, matter. Yep. Little Billy reads "The Night Before Christmas" in the back seat, and Mom holds baby Ricky, who is mostly useless to this movie but central to the next one
1: and she she keeps looking at the father and they both have these kind of idiot looks on their face like it's like you both been hitting the head or something? <laughs> Why are you looking at each other like that? Like they have these big cheesy grins. Like yeah, yeah. God, I I love being middle class white people. This is fantastic. They like the think, dream, man. Shouldn't your baby be in
0: a car seat? <laughs> no, no, not. I'm not, not a
1: parent, thank God. But if I was, I wouldn't be holding it on my
0: lap. Dude, we rode in the front seat when we were six years old. That's, and, that's and, true. Yes, yeah, so like you know, it, it is back like, in my day. It is what it different is. Different time, different time. Very no terrible. Worser no. time. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the discussion in the car is all about being naughty and nice, and Mom tells Billy that Santa Claus is going to be bring him a big surprise tonight. Boy, howdy, sure does. <laughs> yeah. So the the thing that I love about this is that you, if you're you just you don't even have to be paying very close attention, but the buildup to the big first act break is like just compounding trauma on top of trauma. Yeah. It's like, what if, what if maniac,
1: but at Christmas?
0: <laughs> yeah. And the best thing about it is to me, at least is this movie is a much better document of PTSD than anything. Ari Aster has made.
1: What if we took all the worst scenes from last house on the left, but set them
0: at Christmas. <sighs> Surrounded by like happy families and smiling mm-hmm. and Christmas carols that you've never heard,
1: but are awesome. <laughs>
0: yeah. So they reach, their, they reach their destination with a, a shot zooming in ominously on a sign which reads Utah Mental Facility. And they're just the, the
1: one, they ju- all they, <laughs> have.
0: they, that's all they well, can afford, it's it. all you need. So it's, it's Utah. So they're there to see Grandpa, who we learn is catatonic, staring up, who, the- who is
1: basically the Grandpa character from South Park.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he says, uh, staring off into the middle distance, responding to no one. That is, until the doctor takes the parents and Ricky aside to discuss his condition, leaving Billy with I the love this mode. part because it's like, hey, it's
1: cool if we leave the five year old here with the demented old man, right? He'll be
0: fine, right? Yep. And, because grandpa comes to life as soon as everybody is out of earshot. In the most delightful way, too. He does. He kind of like turns. He like kind of turns to the side a little bit, gives him a little bit of a smile, and then unloads the most demented, crazy bullshit. Yeah, you he's right like, in. he's like a video
1: of like a Shiba Inu giving you a side eye, and then he's like launches into his thing. It's yeah. really fantastic.
0: So he sets the table for the rest of the movie. So with Billy utterly petrified, and it, his delivery is amazing. Is amazing. You could tell that this guy played crazy prospector in like every. Mid-budget Western made from like 1949 to 1975,
1: and he's really trying to squeeze
2: the tears out too. Oh my god, there were so many tears in his eyes. I was looking at this guy, is and he's but he's going,
0: going for it. Like he's really trying yeah, he yeah. so he's like,
1: I got to make the most of this. This is it. This is my five minutes on screen. I'm really going to do the thing.
0: Oh yeah, and he does. And he, he does, does do that. He does because he he tells he he proceeds to tell him that Christmas Eve is the scariest goddamn night of the year. To which I say, according to who? According to him. Well, presents go to kids. He's not who, wrong. Who, who, right, he gets it right. Presents go to kids who've been good all year, but kids who've been naughty end up punished. Which is actually true of some of the versions of Santa Claus around the world. And he says, if you see Santa Claus, you better run for your life.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so good. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely fucking love it. Because, because he's, he's got this
1: back. He's yes. got this beard that's ridiculous. It looks like they glued it onto his face. It's
0: fantastic. <laughs> from like yeah, from like hair shavings or something like that. Yeah. So as soon as as soon as his parents come back in, Grandpa resumes his catatonia, which makes me wonder, is he pretending? Is that the is that the joke here? I
1: but well, if it's a joke, it's not funny. Um <laughs> I, I don't really know. I think it's just sort of like, well, how else are we gonna get this shit started? Yeah, I suppose you're right.
2: It's also the shortest visit ever. They don't do any creative transition stuff. So it's like they show up, stay here with Grandpa. We're going to go talk to the doctor. They come back like, well, we better go. It's right. Like, so That's like, all and, oh, there from, why did you come minutes. here? He from all the... spend time with him. Right. Did you
0: Couldn't call? you do this on the phone? Yeah. By, exactly. By all accounts, already... he's, it, they seem to have traveled some distance to show up and just kind of look at him sadly for like a few minutes. And then they get, Yeah. Oh my God.
2: They don't spend any time with him. They leave Billy. Well, I think you know
1: it. why. And they. <laughs> and Because all he to... does is talk about how Santa Claus is dangerous.
0: <laughs> yep. So uh, on the ride back, Billy lets everybody knows that he's scared of Santa Claus now and that grandpa told him these things. And his mom. His...
2: A ridiculous concept. They.
0: <laughs> his mom replies by calling grandpa a crazy old man, which sets- and this is my favorite moment in the entire movie: a
1: five-year-old clutching his pearls, because he basically is just like, oh, "Yep, how can you say that?" <laughs> yeah, the look on his face is
0: priceless. It's yeah, it's like it's naughty to say mean things about old people, which uh, hmm. I say mean shit about old people all the time. I did it just today. Well, you better fucking watch out on Christmas Eve because Santa's watching, Santa's waiting.
1: Christmas like, I don't Eve have will soon be fading. Uh, and, you know, the dad's driving with a big dopey grin on his face, just like before.
0: Yep. but So uh, happy. This sets Billy off because uh, she's being naughty and Santa Claus will punish her for it. So put a fucking pin in that one.
1: Now, here's my question, folks. So if we uh, operate on the assumption that horror movies are essentially uh, sort of a reflection of cultural fears... What is the cultural fear here? Is it of strangers because the the what we're coming up to is this idea that you know you stop to do a good deed for someone and that person then kills you.
0: yeah
1: and I think that that was a very real fear because there's a scene in Henry portrait of a serial killer that's very oh, yeah. much like this and that right. scene scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. And I think there really was that fear of like, we're realizing the world is a lot scarier now that communications are sort of expanding and we don't have such localized news. We're hearing a lot more tragedy from around the country. Like, what is this movie operating on? Or is it operating on anything? I don't know that it is.
0: Uh, I it, Well, it probably isn't. It, it's probably just a setup for, you know, just to get this kid's parents dead. But right. – this was like... It's just a, a hilarious contrivance. This th- There was a lot of like stranger danger shit, but it was mostly around children being accosted. Well, yeah,
1: you're going to destroy the innocence and hopes and dreams of an entire generation of white American children. Yep. That's what the parents said. <laughs> well, and part of, the, part of the thing that makes this
2: so confusing, because I'm with you, I... You know, I had that note. I'm like, let me take this very serious note about a very unserious movie. Like, yeah, what every the now and then I do that. Yeah, what is the message? Like, what are they really trying to say in this? And the the thing that makes it so um, difficult to sort of process or reconcile is that um, you know, there's an episode of The Golden Girls where Terry Kaiser from Weekends and Bernies, mm-hmm. Weekend at Bernie's, plays a Santa Claus who holds them hostage. Yes, and he's you know, it it, it it's just it's like really dry crazy performance um and that's who this santa in the beginning kind of reminded me of so i felt like a sitcom santa claus doing crimes and murders and so the strange performance and the and the the difficulty figuring out what the motivation even was of this killer santa that's part of what confuses the message if there is one like Mm -hmm. i don't really understand because of the way that Santa is is you know that this sort of like sitcom killer Santa is portrayed it's a weird confusion of like different uh, styles of Santa Claus and, killer, and there's, sense, there's a weird
1: know? thing I think that goes along with that in that there's a there's a sort of a uh, uh, I kind of want to say it's a trope it's almost a trope in the 80s of like bad shit happening to parents at christmas like think of like the, yeah. the story in gremlins that really weird story in gremlins that oh she yeah tells about her father and like um, what's that is it one magic christmas oh where, yeah like, her father gets shot on christmas in the bank there's like this fear of like parents dying or some tragedy happening at christmas and it's it feels very specific to the 80s like it's reflecting yeah. something about the 1980s in america that again not surprising it's it's the era of sort of reaganism and, this major expansion of sort of uh, white middle-class fear that I don't know. I think we're overthinking this movie, but it did, it struck me. It's like, <laughs> what is this telling us about anything? And I don't think it's telling us anything at all, really, but because I, I think that when they made this movie, they are not taking any of it seriously. So
0: right. that's my
1: aside. Go on.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I personally, I think there's value in chasing that down. I mean, at least just for a conversation, but whether or not they intended it, or it was just something that they stuck in as a plot device, like it, it definitely does reflect the era, you know, in a mm-hmm. way that I don't think in many other movies de- did. It's, I don't, know, it's, it's. Yeah, this is
1: very much a product of its time, and yeah. we'll we'll get to that at the end. But yeah, this is super eighties.
0: Yeah. So we uh, we cut to a convenience store where Santa comes in and holds the place up, and to that like sitcom Santa thing, like this movie takes evil Santa Claus and cranks it to 11 like immediately like this guy he
1: may as well be cackling as he's waving the gun around
0: yeah I don't know who this I can't remember this actor's name but he's a guy he plays a lot he plays bad guys and he played a lot of like biker types in shit Yeah. Um, so yeah so he, he, he goes to the counter he holds the place up and the guy behind the counter tries to pull a gun on Santa but gets shot in the process so Santa empties the register out but while the dude shot, well, the, the guy, you know, lying on the ground, tries to line up a shot on Santa, gets another one in the chest for his trouble mm-hmm. and then one between the eyes to finish the gig. Merry Christmas. Yep. And so before driving away, Santa complains that he only got thirty one dollars for his trouble. That's so, how you know he's the bad guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Show well, me. that and he shot that other guy. Right. How, right, right. how much is a life worth? So Thirty eight dollars. Thirty one. Thirty one dollars. So back 31. in the station wagon. Billy's family rounds a corner, finds the murderous Santa in the street next to his car. Now, Billy understandably freaks out after everything So, again, said.
1: my question is, is he having car trouble or did he stop just to kill them?
0: It, this is that Henry portrait of a serial killer thing where they, yeah. he faked it just to kill him.
1: Because if anyone, it, so just I'm going to go on the record. There is one movie from childhood that terrified me and it is Henry portrait for serial killer. Here's
0: the thing. I still cannot watch that. That movie is upsetting to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I have I've watched it a couple of times. I do not go out of my way uh to, to check it out. But yeah. Yeah, that scene immediately comes to mind here. So Santa immediately draws a gun on Dad, who throws it into reverse, and Santa puts two in the windshield, killing dad, and as the car spins out and dumps into a ditch. Billy does the sensible thing and he runs out of the car and hides in the bushes while Santa drags mom mm-hmm. out of the car and tears her That's what, Leave open. your family to die, Billy. What's he gonna do? He's five years old.
1: Well, he's going to have to wait, about, I don't know, about 15 more years.
0: <laughs> he, te- he tears her blouse open in the street before cutting her throat.
1: Yeah, my my note says
0: this movie is utter trash. <laughs> Grandpa was right about everything. Yeah.
2: And that's the image that uh, stuck with me so much when I was a kid. There was something just so extra, um, you know, perverse and like, you know, sleazy is a good word for it yeah. about the ripping open of the mother's blouse before he slits her throat. You know, it's goofy, goofy to see now. But as a kid, that really disturbed me. That with the cutting back it's, and It's because it's gratuitous. And, yeah, gratuitous. And even like the music behind it is a little like silly almost. Because it's of, not, right? this is not a rape scene. It,
1: right. it's, it's I remember
2: just... it as one, which is the funny thing when I was a kid. Like
1: that's, you know. Right. It's just it's a mix of sex and violence that, right. you know, we, we see what well, we see it throughout the 80s, um, but it doesn't serve a purpose other than to be gratuitously slimy. Right. And I think right. that's why it leaves such an impression, because you're like, I don't want to see nudity and violence mixed together. Yeah even now I'm like, I still am not like, I know it's a goofy scene, but it's like, I don't need to see this at the yeah. same time that I'm seeing this other thing.
0: I think personally, right. I think that the intention of the scene was to be like over the top and gonzo and very silly, but it does not come off that way at all. No, it's very, it's, it, which is why I think what we're all basically saying the same thing is we're trying to reconcile two conflicting feelings, which is like genuine shock and horror. Cause it's, it's an upsetting scene. You know, it's it's yeah, it's yeah. it's definitely it's very intense and it's very ugly, but it comes with this like with the with the, the the script called for it to be very insincere and just mm-hmm you know, bananas. And so right. they just, it's hard we, to process when the tone is goofy, right? We can't put the pieces together in a way that sort of makes sense. So it just kind of floats there in our consciousness is this, is the one part of the movie that we all seem to remember more than the rest of them.
2: Right. And having Billy watch it and I watch him watching it. Yeah. That's the thing that gives it that extra ick that mm-hmm. makes it feel, you know, not even subversive, just like, what are we doing here? You know?
0: Right. Like, but... <laughs> and they definitely, they definitely do like, it's not necessarily POV stuff, but the way that the scene is shot mm. is a lot of like ground level stuff. Because what we see yeah. is he goes and he runs off to the side of the road, he gets into the bushes and he's very, you know, he's a little kid on the ground. And so right. when they show a lot of those scenes, they're shot very low as if to put us in his, in his position, yeah. which just, you know, plants it right in your memory.
2: And we flash back to it so many times. Oh, God, the movie. We do. So it's telling us that this is, you know, that like, this is that instigating trauma. Uh, but also, the most upsetting image
0: in the film, right? Right. It's pure
1: yeah. exploitation with the worst possible tone. <laughs> <Right>.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we catch up with Billy three years later at St. Mary's home for orphan children. As... And he has the best haircut ever. Oh my God. That kid must have come from Canada.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. He's called to by a nun to present his drawing to the class, which horrifies the children. And then he sent to Mother Superior's office, and we see why. It is a drawing of Santa Claus to one side of a Christmas tree, bleeding out with knives stuck all over him, and a reindeer with its head chopped off. And uh, Sister. Also, Mother
1: Superior, big asshole.
0: Oh my god, yeah. It's it's almost criminal that she doesn't get killed at the end.
1: But that younger nun looks just like Linda Ronstadt.
0: <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Sister Margaret. She understands why he draws such a thing. It makes perfect sense. Mother Superior thinks that all of her uh all this liberal feelings shit just needs to be hammered out of him through punishment.
1: And that's because she's French. That's why she thinks that. <laughs> and she's
2: kind of just she, she's a fucking moron. I mean, that's the real thing. It's like it's such a easy through line behind what's like, what's wrong with this kid and what, you know what I mean? Like, And her insistence that that doesn't matter is just like... Yeah, later on. But that also feels so
1: 80s, though, because it's like here you have these conflicting perspectives. This older woman who's just like, why can't you just be normal? I know you saw your mother kind of not really raped, but also murdered. That's no excuse. Yeah, Yeah. just be better. Be a better podcaster is what I'm saying. (laughs) And then you get this younger woman who's just like, no, that's a terrible thing. It's like, this. I we're still arguing about this today.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like later on Sister Margaret is like you understand why he like he he does this every year at Christmas and she's and like after Christmas he's going to be great and she's like and Mother Superior is like no 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 it works because my 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 methods work my methods are so good. Yeah.
1: And I mean her methods are really really quite something because then she ties him to the bed. <laughs> yeah. From what I like to call the old Joan Crawford approach to parenting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, works well for Joan Crawford too. Tie
2: the podcast back in. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> in case you forgot, what we're listening to. Yeah. So,
0: yes. so yeah. So Sister Margaret and her woke values are undeterred, and she invites Billy out to uh, to help with the snowman. They're all also. Building. Why are
1: there so many children at this orphanage?
0: Because kids be getting getting orphaned in Utah like constantly. Apparently,
1: you know, I believe it.
0: Hmm. So they're yeah, all... Come at
1: me, Utah. What
0: are you gonna do about it? I said it. Not drink coffee,
1: <laughs> but drink for some reason tons and tons of. The...
0: You know what? That's a diversion. Let's keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The
2: Long Island iced teas of is... <laughs> uh,
1: So,
0: so yeah, uh, they build the snowman, uh, but he on his way out, he's distracted by the sounds down the hall, and he goes to investigate. We see through the keyhole is two of the older orphans doing it. Okay, is that who they are? I was yes. very
1: confused by this because I'm like, is that the nun? Is that Linda Ronstadt? Oh my god,
2: she looked just like the nun. Yeah. I was so confused. I was like, is Sister Margaret having sex? I was, yeah. Thank you for saying and that, that. Seems very un-nunly.
0: Yeah. Later on, we see Sister Margaret Sister with her habit <laughs> off, and she she's got like um, she's got like short hair. So it's a totally yeah. different girl. It's just an it's just older orphans like. Just making the best of a terrible situation.
1: They
2: don't make it very clear because those older orphans look but like... But yes, the very first
1: time...
0: 35. I was, I, know, yeah. I was like, are those... Is that a nun? Like, what's going on here? I, I, I yeah. And if so, who's the guy? Yep. He's so one. now I get it. It's all, it's all clear to me now. Yep. I, I get it now. So Mother Superior breaks up the scene, whips all parties with a belt. When she confronts Billy about it, uh, she uses a couple of really dangerous keywords when related to him, naughty and punishment. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Mother Superior is way, way, way into punishment. And then she whips Billy with a belt. So that night, he has a nightmare about his parents being killed again. He tries to run from his room, but Mother Superior catches him, literally ties him to the bed. So the next day is Christmas morning. Billy is freed to join the rest of the kids. And Mother Superior assures Sister Margaret that methods will work, and she'll see this in action when Billy is made to sit on Santa Claus's lap and not freak out.
1: So the guy who wrote this movie, one of the things he says, and I watched an interview with him, and one of the things he says, he keeps talking about how every time he felt like he was going too far, he was like, I'm just going to keep going.
0: <laughs> yeah, God and bless This us. is
1: one of those moments where it's like, if this feels like too
0: much, lean in. Yeah. God bless us, everyone. So, yeah. So what happens? Billy is sat on Santa's lap and he freaks out, culminating in a left hook to Santa's jaw, sending Santa <laughs> reeling and Billy back to his room where he cowers in a corner. So now I think we got I think we get a freeze frame, too, don't we? Yes, we do.
1: Like a real TV movie freeze frame.
0: Yep. So we now jump forward 10 years and Sister Margaret pleads with Mr. Sims, owner of a local toy store, to give Billy a job.
1: All right. Question is Mr. Sims gay coded? I,
2: I wrote that exact noise. That moment was so gay-coded. Just Because, because
1: he, he drinks him in. Oh, like, yeah. It is a yeah. like long, He's lingering... like, oh, yeah. I, I mm-hmm. thought he
2: was going to be like a lech. I thought it was going to be... <laughs> there was going to be a scene where he comes on to Billy and makes him snap. Like I was waiting for Surprisingly, course, no. it. Surprisingly, no. It doesn't happen. No, he's just like, yeah, I want this cheap labor when this big, hulking, young yes. dude... Because,
0: because the Billy's got porn. gay porno all over. Him. Oh yes. my God, dude! He looks like he looks like a cross between a Mormon and an extra from The Outsiders. Like yeah. he is just denim yeah. top to bottom. He, he, the only thing he's missing is a pack of cigarettes rolled up into his sleeve. So uh, yeah, so so once he sees Billy, who is uh, objectively <laughs> handsome, um, he's a strapping young man. Serious moose
1: knuckle though. I'm just I'm I've got to say that because. <laughs> Because I was like, holy Jesus.
2: I, know, I noticed it as well. May I also just point out, as well-intentioned as Sister Margaret is, she's also a fucking moron. You think that he should work at a toy store at Christmas? Oh. You're so sensitive to him, but oh. his job
0: should be this one? Well, it, so it starts out, it says like spring 1984, but...
1: She I mean, they have had to had see little, Christmas coming, right? Should have had a little Fourth. <laughs> happens every year.
0: Yeah, like what's it's a f- toy store. It's a fucking I mean, toy store. it going
1: happen. Yeah. yeah. Now my question is, is it a toy store? Because this is the saddest fucking toy store I've <laughs> ever seen. This is like a warehouse, and they were like, "Well, put up some metal shelves and toss some toys on it." I, I was
2: surprised by how many real toys there were, though. I know. I see a Muppet.
1: I see Mickey. Oh there's yeah, all yeah real shit that, here. There's a lot of you got like that sweet
0: impressed. crawl board game. Yep, a lot of Star Wars. Or the moment when they
1: opened the GI Joe box of the toy, and I was just like, that is. That is a visceral memory where yeah. I was just like, I can feel that.
0: Oh yeah, you could pop it all off the thick sprues. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Yep. But uh, to it's your a point, great
2: montage after he starts uh, working there. Too. See,
0: yeah. They to your them. point, was it a warehouse that they just slapped some shelves into? Actually, actually, it was. Actually was. Sell, it literally, yeah. it yep. literally was. Apparently, that building still exists.
1: Yep. Oh.
0: So uh, yeah, if you're ever in wherever the fuck that is in Utah, you, need, you can. If you need a tour, yeah.
1: I will. I promise you, I will never be in Utah. I will
0: never go. I to mean, okay, Utah.
1: I can't promise you that I will never be in Utah, but I, I can promise you, I, I will go out of my way.
2: I went once. It's quite. It's quite beautiful. <laughs> what to say? Okay. It looks like an alien planet. If you go to Moab, it looks like you're on the Predator planet or something. <laughs> the, the scenery is pretty amazing.
1: <laughs> it looks. I was watching like the, they do because for it's weird. This movie as as fucking dumb as it is it's it's very well made yeah
2: and it does a lot of things well yeah there's it, it, a lot
1: of like like little landscape shots that are like these yeah. are this is it is a gorgeous landscape Unfortunately, it's also in Utah.
0: Yeah, the, I mean, the DP very obviously looked around and was like, "Oh yeah, we got to get like as wide a shot on this shit as we can," because like there are some legitimately like beautiful landscape shots on this. And, and Good it
2: transitions is... with music too. I mean, yeah. it does some things really well, which is also adds to the confusion. It's like, how is this almost an okay, like, yeah. like? how this is a real okay movie. movie. You know, this yeah, is clearly
0: not anyway. elves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no. no, but so, nothing is. Yeah, nothing no. will ever be elves. Thank God. <laughs> So yeah, uh, we cut to a montage. Billy doing a great job at Ira's toys while a schmaltzy tune plays about the warm side of the door. Mm. I love that that's song. A great, that's a great song. Love that song. Look,
1: you this soundtrack is available. Everybody should get
0: it. Yep, I, you've got it on the shelf, literally right behind. It you. is on the shelf behind me. Yes. Yep. So, uh, so he has that's to. That's my
1: that's my uh, unpaid shout out to 1984 publishers. They are great. <laughs> Buy their shit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> So uh, yeah, he has some coworkers. We meet a girl named Pamela, who he has a crush on, and Andy, who's a real piece of shit. Yep. And there's also mm-hmm. what I'd like to call Chekhov's fire axe, perched <sighs> ominously next to the stockroom door.
1: I like that you say it like Chekhov's fire axe is also a coworker. <laughs> he, he, like, oh, know, there, there's also their third coworker, the fire desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: I mean he is a very important tool in the job to come. So he
1: works in HR. <laughs>
0: So, yep, everything's coming up Millhouse for Billy. It's all good. Nothing could possibly go wrong. No. Nope. But what's this? Except. Yep, we're nearing Christmas, and Mr. Sims is going to have a dude in a Santa suit there to meet the children. Surely this will not cause a problem. So Billy is starting to lose his grip. Uh, He fantasizes about Pam in a scene that's identical to what he saw through the keyhole at eight years old. It's Uh, also, it
1: feels very sleepaway camp to me.
0: I don't know why, but it
1: has a very kind of sleazy, lurid, sleepaway campness. And you get that, like, kind of uh, bottom, like, well. Choice of words. You get sort of like from the <laughs> from his feet upwards and it's like you get this long, lingering shot, like Billy's hairy ass, and you just keep going.
0: <laughs>
2: well there's like, a glow. There's a glow yeah. to the moment and there's nothing else like in the room, so it has it's, that
0: very sleepaway camera. Oh like, god, yeah. Like those, like, those scenes like with the black rocks. the black yeah. backdrop. Yeah. 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 yeah that yeah. Might, you know, it, so I yeah, I, I put a black backdrop up, which was the style at the time. It really, yeah.
1: <laughs> It's like, well, we need to stick some more stuff in here because this movie's not long enough. Yeah. So, that's
2: uh, how you signal that it's that it's lovemaking and not just
0: that's right. <laughs> sex. You have yeah. a black box. Yeah. So then Santa murders him and he wakes up screaming. Uh, But as we learned back at the orphanage, if Billy can make it through Christmas, it's all good. He just has to get past the holiday. So the next day. And again, the holiday
1: comes every year. So we could have a plan for this, everybody.
0: You would think that he would learn coping skills, but not not, not where he came from. Mm -hmm. No, but um, we. So, yeah, if you can just get past the holiday, it's all good. So the next day, we learn that the guy in the Santa suit at Iris Toys had an accident. He broke his ankle while ice skating. And so with no options to fill the position this close to Christmas, Sims decides that the easy fix is to get one of his guys and put him in the suit. The obvious well, first, choice. what's her name?
1: Mrs. Something or other. I can't. She's like one of the best characters in the movie. Oh, I love her. Oh, she's
0: great. Mrs. She's Randolph great. or something she's like
1: Yeah, she's like, Well, can't you get a temporary Santa Claus? It's like is a temporary Santa Claus? Is there like she's like just call an agency? Like, is an agency for temporary Santa Claus? Is oh, this. Santa yeah. Claus? What is yeah, it? Yeah,
0: that's what um, uh, that's what Mr. Sims says to her, and she's like, I did call the agency, and all they've got is women,
1: <laughs> and all they've got is women, and as you know, women can't do anything. Yep.
2: And by the way, that actress, she is in the beginning of Halloween Four. She's the woman in the ambulance that gets the thumb to the head.
0: Oh, no I shit. love her. Yeah, she's yeah. the fucking
2: best. She's she's really good in that, in that moment. She's getting that thumb between the eyebrows. She's good. I mean, she's, she's really good, good in that. this. She's really
0: fun in this. Yep.
1: Especially once she gets drunk. Because you know what? She's made for getting drunk. Like, that's your character. Oh, that's yeah. who you
0: are. It's. I would say that, like, there's there's a lot of stage craft that, that like, you really have – that people have a really hard time with. One is stage fighting that it's very hard to do convincingly. The other thing that's very hard to do convincingly stage drunk. And she is, I know I heard one thing I
1: heard about that once is pretend that you're a drunk person pretending to be sober. (laughs) And that is how you act drunk. And I was uh, like, that is
0: really good advice. It's good advice, man.
1: And much like uh, Britt Leach is uh, a sort of weird, bull-cutted, lecherous uh, personality, she has the vibe of someone who is drunk in everything she says. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're an extra in Steel Magnolias, but you're a drunk extra. It's
0: yeah. that kind of thing.
2: Yeah. So, stand in in big business.
0: Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. So, when faced with misbehaving, whiny children in the Santa suit, Billy does what he thinks Santa does. He tells her that if she can't get it together, then Santa will punish her severely.
1: Now, look, to be fair, I would do the same thing. <laughs> and I was not traumatized by Santa Claus. Uh, the
0: uh, the parents, unable to hear what Billy is telling them, just assume that he's great with kids. What's really great
1: about this this Santa Claus, this is a, a sort of set decoration thing, or I guess maybe costume is that the beard doesn't cover his face.
2: Right. And that is
1: such a good choice because it's like it's it all just the costume hangs on him, the beard kind of hangs on him. Yeah. It's like you're not a Santa Claus. You look like a weird kind of cut-rate Santa Claus and that makes you weirdly more menacing, which is good because he already has this kind of Mormon good looks. If you want to make him look menacing? Make him look like kind of like a a like an uncanny valley Santa Claus. Yeah. And the best and way to do that is like everything just sort of hangs a little bit too much. And did you
2: get the vibe that the moms were just totally lusting after him? And they're like, "Oh, he's just so good with the kids." It's like I think everybody is, because he's hot, and you can see his face, and you know he's a young strapping man, right? So they're like, "Oh, great job
0: threatening to." Oh yeah, 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 well you know what was is they were entranced by the moose knuckle. It's yeah, honestly I... visible <laughs> visible through the red pants. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. The uh, so now the stock room receives a phone call from somebody checking up on Billy. Uh, Andy the asshole answers it, tells her that he's in the Santa suit now, and it's revealed that the caller is Sister Margaret, who is appropriately horrified by this. So now sure takes her a while to get down. Oh phones. my yeah, God! Wow, the, it must be a wicked long drive because yeah. they only
1: have one car at the at the one orphanage in all of Utah. Yep. Yeah.
0: So now with the workday over, it's time to close the store. Commence with the Christmas party. With Billy in the Santa suit, everybody keeps calling him Santa, which does him no favors. <laughs> so now Andy and Pam disappear back into the stockroom to fool around, and this doesn't go unnoticed by Billy or Santa. Wait, which one's
1: Andy? He's the, he's
0: the shitty one? Yeah, with the perm. So meanwhile, Mr. Sims, extremely drunk, tells Billy that he's got a long night ahead of him. Why, he remembers what Santa Claus does on Christmas Eve, doesn't he? Well, <laughs> well, go get him, Santa.
1: First, you get you murder someone for thirty-one dollars, and you flag down uh, an unsuspecting, uh, dumbstruck family. Yep.
0: <laughs> so back in the stockroom, Andy intends to give a very naive Pam a gift that she's just gonna love. But as it would turn out, he intends to give her the gift of sexual assault. It- yeah, he's got a
1: real men's rights vibe.
0: <laughs>
1: I don't think I care for Andy.
0: Yep. Good thing Billy's there to put a stop to it. Or is it? So Billy seeing this Also when he's
1: so he is sexually assaulting her, but he's sort of not really he's just kind of rubbing his face all over her. Yeah it is really weird, Like, Not that I want to see anybody sexually assaulted real or otherwise, but like it's it's re- like if the scene where the mother gets killed is a little bit too realistic, this is, this not is at all. the opposite yeah. of that, where he's just like rubbing his fucking greasy men's rights face all over her body. It's like, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but that is not sexual assault or sex. It's, you I know what it is? It's like a I mean,
0: sex like, scene in a jalo, like where it's just people smashing their bodies together awkwardly. Yeah, like, right? well, like
1: two, two Barbadells again, just smashing <laughs> them together. You know,
2: her reaction is doing all the work of saying That's, it's assault, but his actions are
1: yeah. You know, that's the story of yeah.
2: women
0: all over, over, you know? Over. Yeah, they were like, okay. Just, He's yeah. like, okay, so, like, you got to you gotta direct me through this. What do I do? And they're just like, you know, like, go get her. Like, go go get her, tiger. He's and like, "You like, rub would...
2: my curly hair up and down her breasts? <laughs> like, is that what you mean? They're
0: like, like yeah. I don't want to kink shame, okay? And,
1: you know, it's uh, to each their own. But I'm sure when it came to directing her, she was like, no, no, no. I, I got this. I know how it goes. Don't
0: worry. Oh, uh, don't do that.
1: <laughs> hey, I didn't create the culture. I just live in it. Uh, no. I just don't know if it's
2: to the film's credit that it fumbles, like all of its sexual assaults. You know, Listen, there is like, nothing to the film's credit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, is it trying to be conservative in that way and not really depict, you know, the grim reality of sexual assault, or is it just? really incompetently directed and thus... that's
1: what i think is so weird about the the contrast between this scene and the other one in which it's not really a sexual assault but i think it's supposed to be is that like you make this one thing that's not what we're led to believe it is and it's it is jarring and upsetting because of the context is a little bit silly and, yeah. and dumb now you have yeah. this other thing where we're supposed to understand it to be this one thing but it looks so fucking dumb that i'm like i why did yeah. you do this? You did it the other way and you weren't even trying before. Well, now you're doing both, it here. Are,
2: both are like evocative of what they're supposed to be, but they're not actually portrayals of them or not not like not realistic portrayals of them. And that might be like an example of the film wanting to have its cake and eat it too, like to give us these sort of disturbing yeah, moments. But because the film is so unserious that it can't, you know, sort of figure out like how to do it. Yeah, so definitely. it winds up being Kind of like yeah, a spoof it's, almost. Yeah. It's only like,
1: disturbing like, by accident.
2: Right. <laughs> well, and then, you know, the yeah. comeuppance comes quickly and shiny yeah. and bright. And, yeah. yeah.
0: So Billy, seeing this, is brought back to five years old, and he snaps. And he declares Andy naughty, and he rushes in, wrapping a string of Christmas lights around his neck and hanging him by one hand.
2: He gets him real high. He does.
0: The, yeah, yeah, he, he does. Hair, too. Yep. I mean... And when Pam rejects him and attacks him, he guts her with a box cutter.
1: To which I say, look, did she deserve to die? Of course not. But bitch, he just saved you from having that man (laughs) rub his fucking greasy, gross face all over you in what he thinks is sex. Be a little bit more grateful. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he killed him in front of you as well, but.
2: It It did make me wonder about her. But again, sort of the incompetence of the script in the moment. It's like her reaction to being saved is not what he expected but also i guess just the sheer lunacy of what he does it's just i don't know it's um i don't know her reaction is so it's so quickly like you're crazy you're crazy you're crazy she immediately it's like yeah
0: Yeah, just take a breather yeah yeah she it's like a light switch went off like immediately like her that was her reaction
1: but you can be upset yeah he did just murder someone in front of you but at the same time like
0: you know, he did yep.
1: sort of save you. Yeah. Look, we're overthinking it again. <laughs> we are. We are. God <laughs> damn it! You know, you know what I say? You know what I say? Just, just shut up. And watch the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I ask a lot of questions to which the answer is often "Stop, stop doing that." Why are you doing that?
0: Yeah. So now Sims, very drunk, goes back to investigate a sound he heard, and Billy sneaks up on him somehow because that has to be very difficult to do in a suit filled like covered with bells. He kills him with which a... they
1: actually use very effectively in the next scene.
0: Yes, yeah, he kills him yes. with the claw end of a hammer. And so, with only and that... I will
1: say again, this is this goes to that the the point of this movie is surprisingly well made because the violence and gore in this are very well executed. Mm-hmm. And I I have no idea who mm-hmm. did the effects and who did the makeup, but like the kill scenes, especially the um, linnea quigley death, is like these are pretty well
0: done. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know what it is, is there's not there's not many scenes that involve a lot of like latex appliances. Yeah. And, and there's so, not a lot of close up shit. Either. Yeah. And so all they really got to do is just like the sort of hidden blood bag and the knife and shit like that. So, yeah. you know, but still, there's like a much greater volume of blood involved in it that that I think kind of elevates it. It's uh yeah, yeah. The, 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 the yeah, the, the gore scenes in this are pretty good. So now, with only Mrs. Randall left in the place, she also goes back to the stockroom and finds Mr. Sims dead with the hammer sticking out of his head. Now, Billy gives chase, slowly stalking her through the store with an axe. But jingling
1: the whole way.
0: Yep, reciting Twas the Night Before Christmas, until he catches up to her with a bow and arrow, shoots her through with what has got to be one of the most common slasher movie kills of the era. Yeah. But... Uh, first, she fakes him out with her hat before knocking him over and running off with the axe, which I, I think this was... was
2: this was genuinely pretty fun. This scene, I thought this was the yeah. the one that one that most closely resembled like a true tense slasher chasing. And was...
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a bit of there's definitely like a, there's a setup to it where the other ones yeah. just kind of happen right uh, yeah it's it's, it's a set piece this one yep so now we uh, cut to a montage of the corpses as sister margaret shows up a moment too also, later. wait a minute why do they have
1: a bow and arrow like a like a legit bow and arrow good set question at the toy store
0: very good question not something i would stock in a toy store but then again it's 1984 who knows i don't remember bow and arrows being in toy stores in 1984 though but, Utah uh, does it differently. It's definitely yeah, it's Utah, that man. is true.
1: So it's in their constitution. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so she screams as she spots the body of Mrs. Randall, and we cut to an awesome reaction shot of horrified Nutcrackers. So now, elsewhere in town, a wild Linnea Quigley appears, doing what she does in horror movies, making showing out, her breasts, yeah, oh, making out sorry. with a dude, making out with a dude <laughs> on a pool table, almost naked. Uh, it's all great, going great until the dude hears the carolers outside and puts on some bluesy, sexy Christmas music and resumes his business.
1: This, this whole fucking scene, this is the most 80s shit I've ever seen. The, it's a basement den with a pool table and a
0: bar. <laughs> and a velvet painting of a tiger. Of oh, a tiger. The, with, yeah, I even have a note about the tiger print because it's great. With, with wood paneling all the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and here so, she is
1: making out with this like a real hot '80s guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, mark up yet another awkward, cringy sex scene. The dude is basically devouring her face. Mm-hmm. Yep. So she hears the a, a cat outside wanting to come inside, and uh, she goes upstairs to let it in. And she goes where to- you see
1: more tiger prints on the walls upstairs.
0: Yeah. She goes I'm upstairs Big fans to- of tigers. She time. goes upstairs to let it in, dressed I only in a pair of tiny cutoff shorts. <laughs> I feel
1: like. Look, on one hand, Linnea Quigley is, is obviously very comfortable showing her body. Yeah. And I'm all for that. But at the same time, there's something about Linnea Quigley's comfortable, uh, her, her, her level of comfort with showing her body on film that I'm like, I don't know, it makes me a little bit sad. I mean, <laughs> you know, you're, you're more than that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just like, I feel like I've watched a string of movies
0: lately that have her in it. It's like right. you watch. She's in you everything. Watch, you watch Return of the Living Dead. And you watch this, and you watch Night of the Demons, and you're like, God damn! Do you I'm like, it? I have
1: seen Linnea quickly nude more times than I have seen anybody nude. <laughs> yeah. I, maybe more than myself. I don't know,
0: but <laughs> I mean, I guess good on her. She's happy with it. Yep. She's doing great. Yeah. You know what? Get 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 that money. So she goes upstairs to let the cat in. What she finds is the cat, but also Billy, who declares mm-hmm. punish. Yep. and chops his way through the door. And so once inside, he throws the axe at her and appears to actually throw the axe at her. Yes,
1: FYI, that is a real axe going into the wall next to a real Linnea Quigley's head.
0: Yeah. It's a ballsy stunt. It's Look, pretty... if you want to be
1: in movies, this is
0: what you got to do. You got to,
1: you got to get naked and you got to have someone throw an axe at your head. That is universally true. Imagine
2: risking decapitation to be in this movie. <laughs> to be in this movie. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow i know but you know what i i don't know of too many horror movies because this is a fairly common thing is like subjecting actresses to like really fucking dangerous stunts just in the yeah. name of like cheap thrills but at the same time i've yeah ever... watch crystal Lake
1: memories and you'll be like wow it really is misogynistic
0: yeah I, but i will say i have never heard of like a one of these dangerous stunts going really going wrong unlike say like a major Big budget studio movie, like say The Twilight Zone.
1: Cough, cough, rust, cough, cough. Oh, right, yeah,
0: right. Yeah. So, like,
1: cough, yeah. Cough, cough, the crow. Cough, cough.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, well, they did in the, in, um, what is it? Uh, Friday four. They almost, uh, what's her, the, the woman who goes swimming at night. Oh, yeah. yeah, in yeah. The she, lake, almost, she, almost she almost freezes
0: died. to death. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: And the stunt coordinator was like, look, if you do this shit again, I'm leaving. Yeah. And that's like, finally they toned it down, but.
0: Yep. Thankfully, so. It must be. Uh, back to Linneo quigley. Billy picks her up and he lifts her and he impales her on the antlers of a mounted deer's head in uh... Look,
1: did either of you read um what was uh, uh Grady Hendricks not his last book, the one before it?
0: Was the that...
1: Final Girl Survival Guide, is that what it's called?
0: Uh uh Sir uh uh support group. Yeah, the final yeah. girl I've girl. not read that one by the way. This is
1: so it's uh this is one of the characters he models after her, this character, the
0: in this particular uh, moment. All right. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Uh, Tommy, who has somehow missed all of this commotion, is just down there. You did hear any of it, yeah. Nope, it's yeah. down there playing pool in that arch-80s basement with another sweet 80s Christmas song playing. Yep. And, uh, and then he goes
1: upstairs and they're like, look, I get it. It's, it's, there's so many tiger prints on the walls, it's hard to know what's real and what's not. But... I feel like you would notice a lady impaled on a, on a a set of antlers on the wall a lot faster than he does. <laughs> yep. yep. It takes him a minute to clock that. Yeah, he
0: walks by it, and then he's like, wait a second, what was that? So, yeah, he finds her and is immediately attacked by Billy. And they struggle a bit, and then Billy picks him up and literally rips his shirt off and throws him out the window. <laughs>
1: In a very sexy moment. <laughs> yep. I mean, and before you know, he. Before he throws out the window.
2: He overtakes Billy briefly and then really like has it like a stroll over to the phone to call the cops. Yeah. yeah. Like he really takes a minute to give himself time. Yeah. Like that. he may
1: as well have just dusted his hands off, like, whoo
2: the, all right. Pacing, the pacing is wild. It's yeah. like, let me just you know, he'll he's down for a second.
0: Yep. Yeah. So yeah, so now he, he's thrown out the window where he lies dead nearly cut in half with broken glass.
1: I will say though the Linnea Quickly antlers thing—that's pretty fucking brutal. That moment. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. oh yeah, and that's also like that's one of those scenes that was cut like really, really heavily. Really cut. This is, so you, this
1: is the yeah. moment where I was like, "All right, I can see why you would want to put this back in." The oh yeah. Uncut you version. see the antlers
0: right. come through her. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Like it's like you went through. You put all of this other unnecessary VHS bullshit in just to justify putting this back in the movie.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a bit more of, there's a bit more of like the explicit violence that I, am not going to lie. I'm glad it's in there. Um, cause also at, if this, if I, what else do you have
1: in this movie? If not that.
0: Yeah. Cause also they cut the, they cut the decapitation scene pretty heavily as well. But what happens next is bar is barring none. My absolute favorite scene in the entire movie. <laughs> so with his job done the little girl in the house comes out excited to see Santa who asks her if she's been good, like yeah. really good. And then Santa is insistent. Yeah. 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 No. Sa- he, she's almost insulted that he's like, you sure you haven't been naughty?
1: She's like, well, yeah. it, you know, it says a lot that like the two best moments in this are this girl who's just like, well, how dare you? And then the other one where the boy is just like, <sighs>
0: "Yeah." there's it, a real economy of child actors. Very in children. And, and they are yeah. delivering. So, yeah, satisfied that she's been good, he gives her a gift the bloody box cutter that he Look, used to kill Pam.
1: This feels like a real white elephant gift, if you ask me. <laughs> She's gonna Her
2: read, face uh, when she's looking at it, she's like, "The fuck, yeah, like, what
1: is this? Like this? Really? Yep. I finally see you, and this is what I she get." She doesn't
2: scream or anything. She's just like, "What is this?" Like, like well, what also is your this?
1: babysitter's impaled on the wall. Is that cool? She I mean, doesn't
2: notice. She doesn't really. Nah, she doesn't
1: notice it. notice it either. Yeah, she doesn't notice. It says it. A, a lot layout. about women in America. <laughs> Maybe it's
2: about the layout of the house. Maybe you just depending where you come from.
0: Well, just, you know, yeah. After after Billy leaves, you hear her call the babysitter's name, like she finds her. Yeah, I goddamn! I just I love scene. the scene. the 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 tone of it is so fucking strange. <laughs> uh, it's 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 really great. It's very funny. So now the police are now on the scene, and they're out to get every dude in a Santa suit and find one climbing into a house. And it turns out that it's just a dad in a Santa costume.
1: And this also feels sort of quintessentially 80s to me not like it's shit that like people would do but it's the kind of shit you would hear about where it's like oh so and so's dad does this it's like all right i bet they do but it feels like the kind of thing where it's like isn't this so cute and wholesome and this is a way of sort of subverting that cute and wholesome to be like yeah maybe it's menacing now it's you know it feels like a little bit of like an urban legendy type of stuff but it just feels so 80s to me
2: yeah Well, but that kid was asleep what was he gonna do wake her up like that was the plan. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: you know? Let's scare the like, shit out of her.
2: Yeah, this is this this. Is it's not advisable. No, I will not
1: do this to my kid. I <laughs> actually, I, I would let like for to, you to do.
2: Not to crawl in his window.
0: Don't don't say that
1: now. It's I'm afraid it's of heights, so
2: I don't think I can up that. Too anyway. It's too early. It's too
1: early.
0: No, this is just people repeating a pattern of Santa Claus related trauma. Yeah. So, yeah. Elsewhere, we catch up with a couple of dudes out in the woods intend to go you know, sledding. That's how you get
1: January 6th. It would have been a better joke if I did it faster. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I'll speed it up in editing so it works. Thank you. <laughs> Look, they can't all be gems, all right? It's late. <laughs> yeah, so, two dudes in the woods who intend to go sledding, but they're way late. By... And these
1: guys are way too old to be doing this shit. And I get it. Like, you can't kill younger people like that would have been a no-go right these bullies like
0: they're too fucking old to be doing this shit they're too grown ass man but even the
1: boys that are going sledding are like 17 yeah and i think
0: i said multiple times are they gonna kiss and they don't (laughs) but it feels like they should now you know what it is it's mormon utah Nothing That's else, true. yeah. That's nothing true. else to do than fuck with a couple of teenagers on Christmas Eve. Everybody yeah, is just—it's just sexual tension all the what way. What do you do? You just can't from... kiss
1: each other. You put on your fancy underwear and you go sledding. Come at me, Utah. Come on.
2: It's also <laughs> so. Tell me I'm wrong. Out in that scene, I was like, "This is just like I would be. I would be so scared to be out in this this thicket uh, over huh? here in the dark. Your oh.
1: fears are about to be proven <laughs> real. I mean. I mean yeah. It's just, yeah.
0: Yeah, because unfortunately... Out just... darkness, as they say.
1: I feel like you're already making good choices. You're not climbing at your child's window. No, you're no, not going, going sledding in, in the middle of the, of the night yeah. of Utah.
0: You know, the good thing about that is your, child, age. your child will never murder anybody in a Santa Claus costume. So <laughs> well, they're, they're I they're mean, you can't say that. that. You don't know that. You don't know that to be true. <laughs> I feel... Listener,
2: you should also know that both brothers are wearing red right now tonight. <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> just I'm not sure if it was
0: coincidence uh, or thematic, but... I, I'll just say I planned it. I didn't. Nope. I, so, don't, I don't care that much. Yeah. So Billy is there to witness their shitty behavior, and he punishes one. by Yeah, because cop- it's a
1: real Karate Kid moment. <laughs> like these two dudes, these two dudes really suck.
0: Yeah, chops they his. Do suck. Yep, chops his head off while he sleds down the hill, and then the bot. That's an excellent. Oh, I love it. I love it. The it bod- is,
1: but they're also the sledding is really lame. Like they're just like,
0: because again, they're
1: like 32 years old, but and they're they- like, we going down this hill real fucking slow. And you're like, I. I feel like this is worse than watching him get his head cut off. Now I'm just embarrassed for everybody.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so the body sleds down the hill headlessly while the head rolls after it. It's an all-time great. So Sister Margaret, meanwhile, visits the police in a sort of Loomis and Sheriff bracket moment. They come to the conclusion. I love this part. Yeah, where They come to a conclusion as to where he'll strike next. There's a lot of weird continuity in this movie where all of a sudden it's like, Daytime, and then it's nighttime, and then it's daytime, and then it's nighttime. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those scenes.
1: Well, she because he, she's like, "Is there any news?" And he goes, "It's all bad, sister." And I was like, <laughs> "That's she's a, she's that's asleep, the
2: best line right? of the movie." She's asleep on the bench and wait That's so a that's a, a Troy McClure station, line right? if I've yep. ever heard one.
0: Yep. So, uh, yeah. Yep. Cut to Sister Mary's home for orphan children, where the kids all happily open their presents. As the old Mother Superior, now confined to a wheelchair, still runs, still the place, being an, an asshole, runs the place with an iron fist. So, yep, now the sheriff dispatches all the deputies out to the home.
1: And listen, the number of orphans in this place, it has doubled
0: since <laughs> before. There's an epidemic it's, of it's Santa Claus. It's pretty crowded. Santa yeah. Claus murderers just killing parents. <laughs> so the kids let out to play. Don't we still have orphanages? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah, dude. Where else but I lived where in
1: Portsmouth. Are. When I lived in Portsmouth, I lived, there was the orphanage that was right behind the place that I lived last time, I, last place I lived there.
0: I'm trying to picture where that was. It's the chase home. oh, I didn't know you really you lived over that way. yeah
1: mm. all right, and they were always out causing trouble in the yard. <laughs> orphans <laughs> oh man, it's
0: just surly children
1: troublemakers one and all. Yeah.
0: so yeah, they all watch happily as a man in a Santa suit approaches the it's cop so the cops get there just in time to shoot him dead in front of the happy children. this has, this has such a this, this stop a... stop he's already dead vibe. <laughs>
2: This is the best slash worst. Yeah, because the
0: what they do is is there's there the Santa Claus is between the cops and the children, and the cops just open fire.
2: <laughs> that part
0: was pretty realistic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta say well, this is
1: how you stop a, a bad Santa with
0: a gun. With a good Santa. <laughs> yep. Yep. So it's uh, yeah, we find out that it's not Billy; it's a deaf priest who always comes to visit the kids. So which I to- think really like wrong. come on guys <laughs>
2: oh he's deaf He, of course he wouldn't have heard them it's <laughs> no. like the
1: delivery is so
2: that happy. alone though is
1: like yeah. you're gonna protest this that is the fucking line you're gonna protest this movie
0: <laughs> yep so inside the orphanage <sighs> The cop, facing no consequences for pulling a Ben Tramer, warns yeah. warns the mother superior that the killer could still be on his way. And then she assures him with grim prescience that no one will get in who doesn't belong there. Well, she is wrong. She's wrong about that.
1: Because she is an, she's a big talk in that wheelchair over
2: there. Yeah, she's
0: an elderly woman what in what a wheelchair.
2: Gonna <laughs> what is she going to fucking do? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the cop, now stalking the ground, looking for Billy, finds his way down into an old furnace shed and finds nothing. In a scene that is just pure time killing, but upon emerging from it, I think
1: the reason they do it is I I, and I I watched the uh, the documentary on the the Blu Ray. I think they when they found this this orphanage in the middle of nowhere, they they, found the the shed. They found the thing out back, and they were like, "Well, we're obviously
0: using to use it." That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a great
2: POV shot from there too. Mm -hmm. They really take advantage of.
0: It's a. It is. It is a great horror movie location. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I'll give it to him. It definitely does build a little bit of tension. Uh, but upon emerging from it, he finds Billy putting an axe right in the old stomach. Yep. yep. And uh, the, uh, that, that cop looks familiar to me for some reason. And I don't know why. For a while, I'm going like, to guess
1: some television show in the 80s, just like every other person. in Jesus this Christ,
0: it's got to be. He's probably on the fucking A team or something. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so now Billy makes his way to the orphanage as the children joylessly sing Christmas songs.
1: And also out of sync. The, whatever they're singing is not what's playing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So seeing Santa at the door, they helpfully let him in. And yeah, died. contrary
1: to what that lady in the wheelchair just said, these kids are actually going to just invite him right in. Oh, just to
0: a... which I say, that's how you get murdered, children. Yeah, they're hosts to mayhem. So now he faces.
2: But the... they recognize Billy, right? They knew who he was, right? That's why they let him in.
0: Even if you
1: don't, he, I think they recognize Santa Claus, but it's like, even if you recognize Santa Claus, he is one gnarly, fucked-up Santa Claus. Like, I, It would be like, hey, I'm yeah. going to go let this dog in that's foaming at the mouth, and its fur is all <laughs> matted and gross. Like, yeah. You need to be able to recognize something's wrong
0: here. Yeah, sure.
1: And if you can't, that's how you get killed by Santa Claus.
0: Right, and Ricky, That's how you learn, children. His brother Ricky is in this scene and does not seem to recognize him. And so. we
2: forget all about Ricky too. Oh yeah, Ricky thing. vanishes. Barely,
0: you won't yeah. need him until later. No, yeah. we'll just need him. In, 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 he comes months. in handy later. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, he now faces the Mother Superior, who declares to the children that he's not Santa Claus and that there is no Santa Claus, which which drives wow. Billy, Billy to declare well. her naughty.
1: You know, maybe she should have said that. 15 fucking years ago yeah. and we could have solved this problem before, yeah. before it happened.
2: I mean she softened in her old age. That was, part <laughs> of that. That was a subtext too there too. Well she
1: didn't though because she's like why aren't they grateful for their presence and it's like god damn woman have you learned nothing?
0: Yep. So as he's about to you hack You just shot a deaf priest outside and it's <laughs> kind of your fault. Yep. He's about to hack her up Correct. and end her reign of terror. The sheriff shows up and shoots him again in front of all these kids one missed shot we're looking at a different kind of christmas tragedy
2: trauma begets
0: more trauma <laughs> break the cycle now copy. they all yep. are billies <laughs> so <laughs> so as he lays turns down out the down. whole movie
1: is a metaphor for the 1980s
0: so <laughs> as he lays dying at sister margaret's feet he declares santa's gone and, so, and to which
1: i say you're going to kill a queen like a may quickly and not kill this terrible nun who you have spent the entire movie making me hate.
0: Jesus Christ! I know it's uh, it's such a fucking disappointment. But uh, yeah, the axe now lays at his brother's Ricky, uh, Ricky Ricky's feet, who glares at Mother Superior and says, "Naughty." Why Fate? couldn't
2: we have Ricky just pick the axe up when he says the it? See, that's
0: the thing is, I think just that's, end there. That's the implication. But like, why not just go the extra mile and have him pick the fucking axe up?
1: And the the intention was always for this to be like a series.
0: Yeah. This was supposed to be Tristar's flagship horror series. This was way into the- I can't imagine why it didn't work out. Yeah, (laughs) this was way into the sort of golden age of slashers. And so like, you just kind of assumed you were going to kind of forge a sequel, like a series of sequels out of it so yeah turned out
1: everyone was real fucking tired of these movies by 1984 <laughs> yeah
0: yeah so right fade to black roll credits all right silent night up. deadly night
1: uh so joe we watch these movies one of the reasons we watch these movies now and talk about them is because we watched them so long ago and now we're wondering what are they like today my yeah. question for you is how does this hold up today
2: it holds up like a like a guy with a Christmas lights around his neck being dangled okay. in the air. That's, uh, that, that's to say. So great. <laughs> that's to say, spectacularly. Uh, you know, it's funny because in some ways it's, um, it was like different and maybe even better than I remembered. In other ways, it was so much worse. Um, it's technically a movie, right? I think. <laughs> but I don't. I mean, the realize. runtime suggests yes. The runtime suggests it's a movie. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's 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 it feels it's a it's so goofy and so hokey and so tonally bouncy um, that I can only think that the people making the movie thought they were making a better movie than what was actually the end result. It doesn't feel like they're in on the joke. It feels like they just didn't know what. The movie. I mean, maybe you know more than I do because I haven't seen the documentary. But the sense that I got was that they thought they were making a serious movie, and the result instead was
1: this, which is weird because the opposite is true. They are very much in on the joke. The opposite.
2: Yeah. Is true. Okay, so they thought they were making yeah. a. They knew what they movie. were
1: making. Interesting. Yeah, they, they were pretty into
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Big Red. What story? about you? What do you got? Uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, I gotta. I just watching it these last couple of days. I definitely have a sort of renewed appreciation for it for a really long time, and I think it's just thematically Christmas doesn't really do much for me as you know in a horror context. What
1: are you I, talking about? The hopes and dreams of children. <laughs>
0: I love you're to gonna see a, dash them too. I love just seeing you sma- have them, and you're just gonna smash those hopes. And I love to see them smashed against the rocks. Don't get me wrong, um, but yeah, something. Wait, like- the children and the hopes and dreams. Both are
1: biblical, so it's fine.
0: I'll leave it up to you guys. Uh, the the something about. Just Christmas as a, as a horror movie device does not do anything for me, in spite no. of the fact that I I do like this movie a lot, and I also I, I also I love uh, uh, fuck Christmas Evil is the one I was trying to think of. Mm-hmm. I love Christmas Evil. That's an entirely different kind of deranged. That's
1: because you like Fiona Apple's dad. A lot.
0: <laughs> I think he's great. Uh, but yeah, no, no, no this 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 one definitely grew on me and it's like you said earlier Joe like it's not one that i seek out yeah. you know like i i would not go out of my way to watch this movie but i think going forward i could probably see this as like a christmas movie staple for me like
2: just to yeah, get, it's just got to be watchability because it's yeah. there's something about it that i think you could revisit it and just have it on and sort of giggle at it yeah. um
0: it's very it's yeah. very silly it i think with the exception of the the beginning it does not take itself terribly seriously i appreciate the hell out of that yeah it's just it's a it's stupid and it's fun it's it's a very very goofy movie that's just totally fucked up in a way that i yeah. i i like um you know and that's not the sort of thing that that's not the sort of thing that you can sort of like manufacture that is the product of just like conflicting ideas that end up working out in just a really kind of fucked up way at the end so yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night gets the uh, gets my my seal of approval.
1: Yeah, I'm I, I'm like on the I'm on the other end. I think it's a you could skip it. I mean, it's not. It, it is a cultural artifact. It's kind of interesting. I think the hysteria around it is more is more of a that's the more interesting story. If you want to see it for that reason, but again, I'm like I I'm with you. I don't think I'm not particularly sentimental about Christmas. I, I don't. I think as a as a, a kind of a, a horror trope I find it a little schlocky and kinda of dumb. Like the the whole seasonal thing, I'm I'm way, way over all of that. Like I'm just kinda of like I don't you don't need if you're building your whole movie around that. You don't really have a movie. No, no, no. That's you have, kinda, you have a marketing campaign. Th- that's and very that's clearly, c-
0: very clearly a product of the time. And the, even by even by 1984, these guys were kind of running late on that on that way. Like, yeah, the yeah. The, the Oh, they admit of-
1: that they basically say like we they were all gone. We didn't have anything left to choose from. It's like then you could have just made another movie. Yeah, you didn't have to it make it have been about set in
2: it. winter. It didn't have to be yeah. a Christmas movie necessarily, and that's Do they, that's
1: yeah. actually the argument that a lot of the critics made was like, you didn't have to make this about Christmas. You could have just made this about anything. That Christmas is kind of incidental. To which I say, is it? Because the whole point of his rampage is punish because of trauma, because of Santa Claus, because of dollars, right, right, right. like. But I think it's like it, it's an interesting artifact. It is so much a product of its time, right down to the sort of moral panic and kind of um, uh, outrage, that kind of silent majority outrage. But like as a movie, you can skip it. It's it's there's not much there.
2: Do the filmmakers account for that strangeness in tone, the sort of like sleaziness of the opening, and which is that that sleazy slash? the juxtaposition of the sleazy with like the serious trauma and then the rest of the movie being so goofy. Like what is that? What is that? Like
1: they don't. And I, I imagine that some of this has to do with changing directors back and forth is that you've got one guy making most of the movie. And then when it comes to these violent scenes, you have another guy coming in who gets what's going on. Like I think to be able to, to come in, step in and do that adeptly, it takes a lot of skill and and, and you yeah. don't feel like it's, you don't feel any kind of tension throughout the movie, but it is very noticeable in tone because it's like, you have a kind of tongue in cheek tone throughout this whole movie, except every once in a while when it's like, Oh God. Yeah. And that there really is no accounting for that other than to say like, this is someone else stepping in to do this part. It's kind of like when you watch, there's, um, was uh, Stephen King's it the, that movie that There are parts of that movie where you're like, wow, how come some of this movie is really good and the rest of it is complete garbage? And it's like, <laughs> oh, because other people stepped in to shoot certain parts of the movie. Yeah, And you can feel that here. And that's probably what it is. I, I think also that it's made by uh, – well, for a movie that is made by – I'm going to assume straight men. Um, there is It's missing a lot of tropes that you, you would expect to find in movies like this but there are some things where i think they do sort of fall into those traps and a lot of that is around sexual violence yeah. so it's not that surprising but it's like I, I don't really know if there's much of an explanation it's a it's a real half-hearted attempt at a movie where it's like hey we have kind of an idea and they even openly admit that they were like this cuz the story came from a uh, a senior at harvard who right, sent it right, right. to a guy the guy who ended up writing the movie or one of the producers and the other guy who wrote the movie, so they were like, "Well, it had sort of a core concept that we liked." It's like, "All right, so you kind of took a dumb idea and ran with it, and you just kind of kept it dumb, yeah." Except for every now and then where you couldn't help but lean in yeah. to the, you know, the worst parts of it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. There's not much here. It's fun to watch. I think if you showed this to younger people now, they'd be like, I don't, I don't get it. What is this? Which is probably why you see this new sort of slew of movies where they're like, well, it's Krampus and it's all this, you know, what's that one I just watched. It's a wonderful knife where like, everyone's like, it's so good. I got halfway through that movie and was like, no, it's not. I'm done. (laughs) But I think if you showed this to younger people, they'd be like, I don't get it. What's funny about this? Like, well, the whole fucking thing is funny because it's dumb and sleazy and, and really goofy, but I don't know that that works now, because a lot of the goofiness comes from the sleaziness, and sleazy just doesn't work as a thing anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah you definitely can't get away with that anymore. I think
1: black go with Black Christmas, because you can't go wrong there. Yep.
0: Speaking of Black oh, Christmas, yes. what's our next oh, movie? In two
1: weeks, we will be back, and because the time has come, for my all-time favorite movie, we're watching Black Christmas. Yep,
2: the greatest slasher ever made. I am
1: the greatest film ever made. <laughs> That's
0: so great. It is my
1: favorite movie ever.
0: Yep, I'm. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this one. I have a feeling that this is going to be another like big love letter.
1: Yeah, guess what, everybody? I know a lot about this
0: movie. <laughs> uh, More so than anyone should. Know. So, uh, Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. This is yeah, so much fun. I'm yeah, so
2: happy I, to revisit this. Um, this artifact, as you <laughs> so lovingly refer to it. Oh, I thought by you were going to say classic. <laughs> by the way, by the way, the one thing, one of the things that I remember is, for some reason, at the video store, the VHS box was enormous for this movie. Yes, remember? it was. It was yep. so big. They only did that for some movies, and this was one of them. It was huge. Yeah, I didn't know why. It oh was yeah, the, so
0: strange. The, the big the big box trend was box. Uh, was uh, was a Charles Band invention, uh, and and the re- and the Tell whole the reason the whole reason for, for it was they stood off the shelf.
1: Yeah, because you would slide, you would slide it out of the tray and it we had an inner tray that it laid in
0: and okay. the tray
1: yeah. itself was bigger.
2: See, I wouldn't have known that because back then you couldn't you, could yeah, touch you couldn't the take them out, but you didn't yeah. take it home, you know, yeah. you got it in the um okay, that's interesting because it really stood out the the you know, uh the hat and the axe and it was so big yep. and just Yep. Like, oh yeah, I can't. Did we, something for we did not it. even yeah.
0: really mention the poster. The poster is fucking iconic. It is, it is good. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but uh yeah. yeah. Where can everybody find you?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you can find uh, the book, it came from the closet, Queer Reflections on Horror, uh, published by Feminist Press. It's 25 queer and trans writers writing personal essays about one particular horror film that shaped them and shook them and uh, connects to queer identity. Um, we published a year ago through Feminist Press. It was republished in the UK through Ban Books in the um, UK and Ireland this past June. We're very excited about that, um, and you can find me on Instagram at it came from the closet uh, one underscore under each word because that's somebody else had the other uh, full <sighs> full name I hate when that happens and you can also find me on Twitter slash X uh, I said that with an eye roll uh, <laughs> at Homo Horror H O M O H O R R O R but um, you know Instagram's the happier place that to sounds like
1: leftist propaganda <laughs> <laughs>
2: But yes but do do check out "It Came from the Closet." You can get it at feministpress.org or any place where you buy books. It's everywhere. Um, it'll make a great Christmas gift for the horror lover or the queer in your life. <laughs> I'm gonna give it. a, am gonna oh, give it a oh. huge
1: endorsement. I am uh, currently reading it, not as fast as I would normally, but uh, it's Christmas, so shut up. Uh, it is a fantastic collection, uh, and Thank I definitely you. think everybody. Well, everybody that's the beauty
2: of a collection like that. You can bounce around. You can take as long as you need to read it because the essays are not heavy. So. Um, Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. This is a real treat. I really appreciate it. Your podcast is great. It's it's been a real joy to discover it and to listen to it.
0: I'm so glad to hear
2: that. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you.
0: All right. So be back here in two weeks for Black Christmas. Can't wait.